wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Stupid idiot. Shut your mouth, you thong-wearing fatty. Party's over, Grandpa. Kane was there! Kane was there too! Yeah! No enhancement needed. This ain't Monday Night Raw! This fight's right! It's Wrestle Rant Radio. Happy Thursday, folks, and welcome back to Wrestle Rant Radio. As always, your host with the most here, Graham Giusa Matthews, for May 17th, 2018. Hope you guys are doing well. Once again, flying solo this week, there's really not a ton to talk about, so this show might be on the shorter side, a bit under an hour, which is, you know, I usually shoot for an hour, but when there's not a ton to talk about, there's only so much you can rant about on the current ongoings in WWE, but this episode will not be all WWE this week. We are talking a bit about All In, and I did share my two cents on this on hashtag AskGSM on Wednesday, but it is worth reiterating that they did sell out their entire event over this past weekend. All 10,000 tickets, or whatever was on sale. And granted, there are still some on StubHub, but in the general sense, regardless of whether the arena is packed or not with people, the event is sold out. All the tickets have been sold. Uh, Whether they're on the secondary market or not, and even if they are, there's not a ton. There's only a few hundred. Out of what, 10,000? That's not a lot. That's only really 5, maybe 10, but probably 5% of the entire ticket sales, but... Nonetheless, we will talk all about that momentarily, in addition to reviewing Raw, SmackDown, and 205 Live from this past week, and everything else going on in the world of wrestling right now. But before we get to all of that, of course, guys, you can find me on the socials, follow me there on the Twitter machine, at WrestleRant, find me on Facebook at facebook.com backslash gram.gsm.matthews, find me on YouTube too, at youtube.com backslash c backslash Graham Giusa Matthews. And of course, guys, you can check out Wrestle Rant Radio every single week. All the new episodes streaming on Thursdays. You can check it out not only on nextairwrestling.net, but also on iTunes. Simply search up Wrestle Rant Radio on the Apple Podcast app and find the show. Subscribe, rate, review the show, and you get not only all the archived episodes dating back to October of 2013, but all the new episodes as well. So a steal of a deal completely free, of course. Only on iTunes and nextdaywrestling.net. Uh, so that being said, guys, let's get started here talking all about All In before we deep dive into Raw and SmackDown from this past week. So with All In, congratulations are in order for Cody, for the Young Bucks, for Marty Skrull. I mean, really anyone a part of the event, but this really comes down to the Young Bucks and Cody Rhodes. It's largely sponsored by Bullet Club. I know Ring of Honor talent will be involved Um, AAA talent will be involved, New Japan talent will be involved, but this really was the brainchild, at the end of the day, of Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks. It was really only about a year ago, it might have been a year ago yesterday, from when I I saw the tweet on Twitter from Dave Meltzer, someone had asked him, can anyone in the modern era sell out a 10,000 person arena? That's not WWE. And he had said, likely, but just not anytime soon. It's possible, but not anytime soon. Fast forward a year, the Bullet Club has done that with All In. That was their challenge. Uh, they saw that as a challenge. You know, do you, you think that, not maybe them specifically, but you think that a company or really any group of individuals cannot sell out a 10,000-person arena that's not in WWE? We'll take you up on that challenge. That's exactly what Cody and the Young Bucks did, and they followed through. The tickets went on sale this past weekend, sold out and under... And it's, it's between anywhere between 30 minutes to 60 minutes to 54 minutes, whatever the fuck it was. It was a lot quicker than anyone could have imagined. I know some people were saying, oh, they might sell out in due time. I was expecting they would sell at least half the tickets, if not three quarters of the tickets over the weekend. Um, some people did not even think they would sell out at all. But they did. Um, I know there, Like I said earlier, I know there are some secondary tickets on StubHub and whatnot for, like, priced a lot higher than what they were paying, or what a lot higher than what they were selling for on Ticketmaster, or whatever the website was. The tickets were originally priced, like, 30 bucks, maybe 100 bucks for front row seats. That's a great fucking deal. 100 bucks for a front row seat is a great deal. And that might be what it is for, like, Raw and SmackDown and stuff, 
But still, with the caliber of talent you're getting at this show, 100 bucks for a front row seat is pretty huge. That's a steal of a deal. That gets you, like, a back row seat at fucking WrestleMania. And this is essentially the WrestleMania of the Indies come September 1st in Chicago. That's how big the show's going to be. Again, they've already signed down the entire Bullet Club, Kenny Omega, Okada. Not sure if Tanahashi's going to be there, but I know they have Pentagon Jr., they have Rey Mysterio they just signed on, a number of women including Brandi Rhodes, Tessa Blanchard, Chelsea Green, uh, Joey Janela, and a number of other notable names from the indie world. Uh, so it's going to be huge. It's going to be a big show. I'm not sure if they're streaming it or not. I mean, I'm sure someone will find a way to to uh, to, to, to show the show, to uh, film the show, record the show, and put it up later. There's no way this show does not go unrecorded because uh, it's going to be pretty monumental. I know the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship will also be uh, defended on the event. It's it's not being said who's going to be defending the championship. The current champion is Nick Aldis, the former Magnus from TNA, so it's cool to see him a part of the show <coughs> tentatively. So that might change, of course, if he drops the championship between now and then. But Cody Rhodes will be vying for that championship on that show, which is pretty cool. Um, I don't know if they can get the IWGP championship defended on that show. I don't think so, but if New Japan clears it, then there's a chance it could happen. Um, same thing with the Ring of Honor World Championship. I'm not sure if Dalton Castle has been confirmed for the show, but I know Jay Lethal is going to be there and a few other Ring of Honor guys, so that's pretty cool. But again, this is a huge accomplishment. An absolutely major milestone for pro wrestling. And I'm sure it's happened before at, you know, at some point or another many, 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 many years ago where a promotion, not a promotion, but really anyone that wasn't WWE sold out a 10,000-person arena in the United States. Uh, New Japan could do it in due time. I know they got pretty, some pretty decent attendance records set for their Long Beach shows recently, their shows last year. Not 10,000 people. I think they could accomplish that in due time once they get a bigger presence in the U.S. And they already have a pretty strong fan base here in the U.S., but... If they're here more consistently, it might happen at some point down the road. Ring of Honor is getting pretty close, too. They had their biggest gate, I believe, with their Supercard of Honor show back over WrestleMania weekend, which, again, is huge. That is unprecedented for a company like Ring of Honor and New Japan. And you could say, oh, the companies aren't what they used to be. Ring of Honor is not what it used to be in 2003. Well, the fact they're bringing in more people than ever before to their shows means they're doing something right. Which is pretty cool. But going back to All In, though, would love to have been there for it. Obviously, I'm not going. I will be in Chicago for Money in the Bank next month. So I'm not going back to Chicago a few months after. But um, should be a great show. Obviously, the big question on everyone's mind right now, will CM Punk be involved? Obviously, the man's a Chicago native. He really does not fly anywhere unless he has to. Um, He is fighting in the UFC again. His second fight has been confirmed for, I think, the week before Money in the Bank in mid-June, in Chicago, which is pretty cool. I really don't think it's a matter of, oh, if he loses, he'll be there. If he wins, he won't. I don't know. I don't. I, I think even if he doesn't wrestle, which I don't think he should, I think it would be a massive mistake to have the guy wrestle, um, unless it's being advertised. Like, if, if the match is going to be, let's say, Kenny Omega versus CM Punk, that's a big match. Even though CM Punk has not wrestled in four or five years, that's still a very big fucking match, because they're two of the biggest names in the world today, CM Punk may not be the wrestling superstar he once was, but he still has a lot of buzz around him, even four years removed from his WWE departure. So that's not a match you just throw on without any prior advertisement. And Cody Rhodes is not an idiot. The guy is a very, very smart businessman, so he would not do that. But if they are going to get CM Punk, the show's already sold out, so they do not need to advertise CM Punk. But there is nothing stopping Punk from appearing on the show. Again, this is not a Ring of Honor sanctioned show. It's not a New Japan sanctioned show. It's being run by Cody Rhodes, the Young Bucks, the Bullet Club, and everyone else that's a part of it. It's it's really the WrestleMania of the Indies, like I talked about earlier. There's no contractual things happening, unless it airs on, like, pay-per-view or something. I'm not sure if UFC would sanction that. I mean, then again, I mean, Ronda Rousey appeared at WrestleMania 31 while she was still under contract to the UFC back in 2015. That was a different situation. That was the WWE. So if she can appear in WWE while in UFC, I'm sure Dana White or whoever's making the decisions over there in the UFC will have no problem with CM Punk showing up in an indie show, especially if it's not televised or put on pay-per-view. If it's on, like, Twitch or something, I'm sure it won't be a problem. But again... I think getting CM Punk would be the coup de gras if they were able to secure the best in the world for that pay-per-view, or for the event, whatever you want to call it. 
um, would be pretty amazing. And again, he doesn't like to travel, so the fact that it's in the fact that it's in Chicago helps a lot. And it's also telling too that he will be doing an autograph signing, a very rare public autograph signing that weekend, the day before All In, that Saturday, August thirty first in Chicago. So again, not a coincidence. Pro Wrestling Tees got him for a reason. Um, because they know there's going to be a lot of people in the area for All In, for StarCast and whatnot. It's it's not a part of StarCast, CM Punk, that is. Um, but again, there's nothing stopping him from appearing at All In, and I hope he does. I think it'd be a pretty monumental moment if Punk was to return to wrestling on such a grand show. And we know he's good friends with the Young Bucks. If there's anyone that he still talks to in wrestling, or at least follows and is know, and, and know is doing well in, in wrestling right now, it's the Young Bucks. It's the Bullet Club. I don't know if you would go to Japan, have a full-on run with the Bullet Club, um, but I think having them appear on the show in some form or fashion would be fucking huge. And again, they already sold out the place. So it's not a matter of advertising CM Punk. It's really just the icing on the cake, and I hope it happens. But nonetheless, it cannot be understated how big the show is, how big of an impact this could have on wrestling in the long term if they book more of these shows in the future, which... They would be dummies not to. When the, sh- when the show sells out in under 30 minutes, you know there's an interest there in wrestling that is not WWE. And these are not just people that are just, oh, anti-WWE and we're all about Bullet Club. Yeah, too sweet, baby. No, it's like people that are also into WWE, watching Impact maybe, Lucha, Ring of Honor, New Japan, but want to support indie wrestling, such as myself. I will go to the Money in the Bank in a couple months. If I was around in the Chicago area, I would go to All In as well. How could you pass up on that? if you live in that area. Um, so it should be a, a huge show, and hopefully leads to more shows like this in the future, and companies won't be afraid to take more risks. If it fails, it fails. Obviously, All In won't, but in terms of other promotions, they got to start running bigger arenas. Maybe not 10,000 people arenas, but I think some other indie promotions like Northeast Wrestling, which I've talked about here in the podcast before, which I've been a big follower and fan of for close to 10 years now, um, they've been running some bigger arenas recently because they know they can fill out most of the seats with the names they have on tap. They had Chris fucking Jericho at a show that I went to last August. You know, other companies can benefit from doing the same and not just sticking to their to their same old small arenas. It's like shooting for the stars but landing on the moon because, you know, some people don't really like to aim high because they feel like they'll fail. But you got to aim high sometimes to really make the biggest impact. And that's what Cody Rhodes did. He he put it all on the line, him and the Bullet Club, him and the Young Bucks. And it paid off in a major way, selling out the entire building in under 30 minutes. So again, major accomplishment, major congratulations are in order for the Bullet Clubs, Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks, and everyone else involved in making this happen. I'm super excited for it. Again, I hope it's aired. I'm hoping it's streaming somewhere, whether it be on fucking Periscope or Twitch or YouTube, whatever, the website itself where all the uh, event stuff is happening. I'm not sure if it's going to make the year or not, but as long as someone records that show for me and able to watch it later or sells it on DVD later on in you know the month or whatever, um, I'm content because I, so, I, I do need to see the show go down um, yeah, and, and all the stuff that should be a part of the show and all the historic happenings that are sure to uh, occur in Chicago that night on September 1st. So that is all in. Uh, now going on to WWE news here for a second before we move on to Raw. This does kind of tie into Raw, but it was announced on Monday afternoon this past week that the Money in the Bank match, or the Money in the Bank pay-per-view, has just got a new Raw Women's Championship match. So we already have the Women's Money in the Bank ladder match. We also found out on SmackDown, the SmackDown Women's Championship will also be defended on that show. More on that later on. But when it comes to the Raw Women's Championship, Nia Jax is next challenger. Ronda Rousey, huge name, marquee match, maybe not as big of a marquee match as Ronda versus Charlotte, but still, Ronda in any singles match, whether it's against Mickie James, Alexa Bliss, Nia Jax, what have you, it's a big match, and all eyes are going to be on that show to see how Ronda does, and to see if she can walk away as the first ever woman to hold gold in not only the UFC, but also in WWE. That, that's a pretty major accomplishment. To say the least, of course. Um, but obviously, the question is here, is it too soon? Is it too soon to have Ronda Rousey to chase the championship? She just showed up at WrestleMania, or technically the Royal Rumble, but she had her first match at WrestleMania, which went off without a hitch. I will be the first one to admit I was wrong. I thought the match would not deliver. I thought it'd be more of a spectacle than anything, and really it was. But quite honestly, it might have been the best match of the entire night. That's how good that match was. With her, Kurt Angle, Triple H, Stephanie. 
And everyone involved played their role remarkably. Not just Ronda, not just Kurt, but Triple H and Stephanie as well. For as sick as I am of seeing the authority on my TV every single fucking week, um, they had a, a great showing on that in that match at WrestleMania. <clears throat> but that being said, Ronda Rousey, in storyline, should be proving herself against the undercard of the Raw Women's Division before gunning for the gold. And she herself had even said that during the confrontation with Nia Jax, which was replayed no less than fucking a half a dozen times on Raw this past week. Um, that was a bit annoying. But still, you know, uh, Ronda had said during the confrontation, I don't think I deserve this championship. I just wrestled my first WWE match at WrestleMania. I think there was other women out there who deserve a shot before me. And Nia Jax said, okay, I understand that, but I'm challenging you. Okay, does Nia Jax want to die? The issue with this here is that Nia Jax is a babyface. Ronda Rousey is a babyface. And they will be in Chicago. So it's going to be very interesting to see what the reaction is to this match. Now, there, there could be a cop-out finish, mind you. There could be a finish where we see Ronda Rousey win her first Raw Women's title. And then Natalia, after having won the Women's Money in the Bank ladder match earlier on in the evening, cashes in immediately on her best friend and wins the belt. Now, we could see that. And honestly, I would not be surprised if that happened. Um, if only because they've been playing up the Natalia-Ronda Rousey friendship for a while now. And also given the fact that with Ronda and Natalia, you know Ronda is going to have a good match. At least nothing less than a good match with Natalia, who has been an established worker who celebrated 10 years on the WWE main roster last month. Which I noted on Twitter on Monday, I don't feel like that got enough attention because Natalia, I think, has now become the longest tenured woman in the entire WWE has not left, she rarely gets hurt, she's always around, whether she's on TV or not, she's always been in the forefront of the uh, WWE women's division, in the best of times and in the worst of times, having been a former Divas champion, former SmackDown women's champion, and possibly a future Raw women's champion if this follows through. Um, Again, I like Natalya, I have no interest in seeing another Natalya title reign anytime soon, if ever again. The SmackDown women's title reign was fine, she did nothing for me, as the SmackDown Women's Champion. In the ring, she's good. But just as a character, face, heel, tween, or whatever, Natalia is just... I don't know, she feels like old news. And again, a Natalia-Ronda feud makes sense. And that's what I was hoping to see come SummerSlam. But it doesn't need to be over the championship. You have such a deep talent... A, a, a deep roster of talent right now with the women. Both on Raw and SmackDown, but sp- specifically Raw. You have Ember Moon, Nia Jax... Bailey, Sasha Banks, Ruby Riot, Ronda Rousey, Alexa Bliss, Mickey James, that you don't need to kill, uh, you know, uh, two birds with one stone here. I feel like it'd be a lot more effective if you had the Ronda Natalia feud on the undercard of the Raw Women's Division, or you can have it eclipse the Raw Women's title picture. Who the fuck cares? But you can have two separate feuds in the Raw Women's Division that aren't both over the title. You can have Nia versus Ember or Nia versus Ruby Riot, while still having Natalia versus Ronda. That match does not need the championship. We all know Ronda and Charlotte is very likely going to be the match for WrestleMania 35. For the Raw or SmackDown Women's Championship, we don't really know. It doesn't really matter. Probably for the Raw Women's title, if I had to take a guess. With one or the other winning the Women's Royal Rumble next year. We all know that's where this road leads. But if Ronda Rousey is going to be holding gold in WWE, and she should, she's the biggest name they have on the female side, if not one of the biggest names, just period, in the entire company, sans John Cena or Brock Lesnar, she does not need to be holding a championship right now. We do not know how, how she will fare in a one-on-one situation in WWE. Again, she had a great showing at WrestleMania, but that was a mixed tag team match with Kurt Angle and Triple H and Stephanie, but that doesn't really say much. But like in a one-on-one match, how will she do? And I think having her prove herself against a Mickey James, who's great in the ring, or an Alexa Bliss, where they could tell a decent story with Alexa Bliss running away from Ronda Rousey only to get her arm broken, and then and then Alexa Bliss can do that old trick where she it looks like her arm is broken, but it's not. She did it against Becky a few years ago because she's double jointed. Um, but anyway, I think doing the slow burn build with Ronda Rousey as Raw Women's Champion would be a lot smarter than just rushing her into the Raw Women's Championship picture. Because my main concern here is this, that the crowd's going to turn on her. Now, again, I had that same fear a few months ago. Because when she first showed up, let's be honest, she was getting mixed reactions. 
when she had debuted or had done the contracts, and she got a pretty big reaction at the Rumble, just probably because people weren't expecting her. Um, and it was like, oh, holy shit, Ronda Rousey's here. But when she debuted or made her official debut at the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view and did the contract signing, I think it was in Las Vegas, where she kind of called home for a long time in the UFC. She had many of her fights, had one of her final fights in the UFC. In that very same building, you know, half the crowd, half the crowd booed, the other half cheered. So, Ronda Rousey can be a polarizing figure. I think she's a better heel. She could be a better heel than a babyface, but she is genuinely likable. She's a badass, and she had a great showing at WrestleMania. So, she works as a babyface for right now. The crowds go crazy for her. She's a big name. People like to see her. I'm all on board with that. But I think if they played the Roman Reigns card with her, or even the Brock Lesnar card, where she holds the Raw Women's Championship at the same time that Brock Lesnar is the... Universal Champion, and Ronda's not appearing on the show every week, there's going to be some backlash from fans without a doubt. And I think they're hurting their chances of having her be the next breakout babyface in that Raw Women's Division by rushing her into this opportunity at the championship. Again, I hope I'm wrong, and I hope they take their time with Ronda Rousey in the Raw Women's Division, and they come up with some sort of fuck finish of the pay-per-view, where she doesn't win the belt, but they don't have her get beaten. Obviously, that would be the dumbest thing they can do by having Ronda get beaten in her first one-on-one match in the company. But I just, I think it's too soon. It wouldn't be the worst thing. It really all, it's really all a matter of how the crowd reacts to the title win, the inevitable title win. Even if a, even if Natalia cashed in, I guess that would gain her some sympathy, but I'm not sure. I just, with Ronda Rousey bypassing the entire women's Money in the Bank ladder match, in storyline, regardless of whether she wanted the match or not, does not bode well for her immediate future as a face. So I'm hoping the fans don't turn on her just yet, because obviously wrestling fans, this is very well documented, can be very fickle. Okay, so she might get booed in Chicago, especially if it's against a a babyface Nia Jax. Having her beat like an Alexa Bliss for the belt would make a lot more sense, in my opinion. Nia Jax is just finding her footing as a face right now. I think she's a lot better cast as a face than as a heel. So ruining that momentum by having her lose the championship within two months feels like not a worthy sacrifice, when you can very easily just hold off on the the Ronda Rousey title win until SummerSlam or later on in the year or even the Royal Rumble. I just think it's too soon. And I know she's missed Raw recently because she's been filming for this, or recording that, or promoting this, and whatever, and that's fine, but if she's not a regular on the show, is it really smart, at least right now, is it smart to give her the championship anytime soon, for any real length of time, and even her first title win, even if she gets beat by Natalia, I wouldn't really want to see Natalia beat her, I don't want to see Ronda Rousey get pinned within her first few months of being on the roster. I feel like, even if it's via a quick Money in the Bank cash-in, I just, I don't know, I don't think that's a smart idea. So, we'll see how it shakes out. It did get the wrestling world talking this past week, so we'll see what happens. I'm not overly optimistic. This is WWE after all. But, regardless of what you think of the match, it's a big marquee match for that pay-per-view. On a show that's already huge, with two Money in the Bank matches with the men and the women from both brands. And I'll be there, so it should be great. I'm looking forward to being in Chicago for the event and seeing this match specifically to see how good it is or how bad it is or see how the, what, the crowd, what the crowd reaction is. But it is a major attraction, nonetheless, for this Money in the Bank show, which has traditionally been one of WWE's biggest events of the year anyway. Many people have talked about it being like one of the, biggest, one of the big five pay-per-views, um, dating back years and years and years, at least dating back to 2011 when CM Punk won the belt in Chicago in the very same city back in uh, 2011, one of my favorite, if not my favorite, pay-per-view of all time. Um, it's really kind of surpassed Survivor Series for me as a big four pay-per-view. So they know what they're doing. They got Ronda on the show. Now we'll see how they handle it. Anyway, moving on to Raw right now from Monday night, May 14th. We kicked out the show from the UK. Obviously, Raw and SmackDown were taped in advance this past week. And you can always tell when a shaped you can always tell when a show is taped in advance because the same energy. I mean, Raw most weeks doesn't have a ton of energy anyway. But the shows overseas they feel phoned in for whatever reason. You can just kind of tell that they're not live, and that was definitely the case with Raw and SmackDown this week. Now I thought they were both decent shows. Raw dragged beyond belief for me. SmackDown was a lot better, maybe just because it was two hours. Um, but with Raw anyway, you could tell that the 
performances were phoned in, and that's fine on the superstars part. They have jet lag. They've been fucking flying from all over the world. WrestleMania, Saudi Arabia, South Africa, Europe. They're being uh, fucking dragged all around the world in the last month alone. So it's kind of difficult to blame them, but more so the company for the creative decisions made and stuff like that, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, it was a decent show overall. At least the crowd was energetic for the, was energetic, energetic, energetic for the better part of the show. That was a tongue twist over there a second. Um, Because the England crowds are always awesome. They always have a ton of energy. They're always rowdy. And um, that was certainly the case with this show, at least. So we kicked off the night with Kurt Angle confronting Roman Reigns, who was demanding another shot at qualifying for the men's Money in the Bank ladder match. Now, here's what doesn't make sense to me. Really, nothing about Roman Reigns makes sense. So this is not a a news flash by any means. This is nothing nothing new with the big dog. And just in terms of how they book him, if they want to endear him to the audience, they've tried everything under the sun from booking him as a rebellious babyface to saying the company's against him to now whining like a little bitch. If you want to endear him as a babyface to the audience, why the fuck would you have him go out there and complain, complain about failing to qualify for the Money in the Bank ladder match? He came across like a total bitch here. It's not even funny. So that obviously, he he was being booed well before that. It was universal disdain for Roman Reigns in, in London this past week. So that was hardly surprising, but it just doesn't make sense to me. Like they want to make him the top babyface on that brand, but how do you do that when he's fucking complaining every single week about not getting opportunities, being screwed out of opportunities? I don't know. You just fucking do it. I feel like you either complain if you're a heel, it makes sense. As a babyface, it's like, eh, dude, you complain, you get over it, and then you move on. I feel like he's complaining about something or the other every single fucking week. I don't know what they're going for here. But anyway, Kurt Angle basically says, no, bitch, no more opportunities for you. I don't care if gender interfered or not. That's it. Tonight is the last night for qualifying matches. They're already set. I don't know why he said that it's the last night for qualifying matches. There's still a few more spots to be determined for the uh, for the women's Money in the Bank ladder match. And the SmackDown side for the men's ladder match Still has yet to be determined as well. We're getting that match next week between Samoa Joe and Big Cass. So, I don't know why Kurt Angle said that, but nonetheless. We'll pretend what they're saying is uh, accurate here. So, he says, no more qualifying opportunities for you. You failed. Sorry, move on. So, Roman gets pissed. He goes backstage and attacks Jinder Mahal like a bitch. Okay, so maybe he's getting revenge for last week. I get it. Jinder has to heal up. That's the story of the night. Will Jinder heal up in time? to take part in the qualifying match later on in the night. Ultimately, he technically does. He's about to wrestle, and then Roman attacked him anyway. Speared him through a wall backstage, like the bitch that he is. Again, I I, I said this last week, and it goes to that saying, but this feud is going to fucking backfire in this company. They want Roman, they think... Roman is going to be cheered against one of the most hated heels in the entire company for the wrong reasons. Jinder is not a... He's a good heel because he sucks. So he's not going to be cheered. That's the only reason he gets booed. Because people don't like him and he's not that good. But they think in booking him against someone that's just as despised as Roman is, that'll get Roman cheered. I don't think so. I honestly don't think so. If anything, they're going to cheer Jinder. And if not do that, which they did on Monday, but if not do that... I think there's an even better chance in Chicago they'll just be apathetic towards the whole fucking deal. And they'll just sit on their hands or just try to hijack the entire show. Which I'm thankful the show is loaded with star power and they have some other good matches on the card. But it's like, this has train wreck written all over it with Roman and gender. And the fact that, you know, Roman... The guy can have good matches. The guy's not a bad wrestler. But when he's in there with gender of all people who has had not really had many breakout matches in the last year that made me go, oh, wow, this guy's good. Maybe a few matches with AJ that were good but not great. Not even AJ can get a great match out of you. All hope is lost. So I don't think Roman and Jinder is going to be an enthralling main event by any means. Probably more along the lines of Joe and Roman from Backlash, which was boring beyond belief. I don't imagine this is going to be much different. Win, lose, or draw, no one's going to give a shit about this match. So they're really shooting themselves in the foot with this feud. Because it's not going to work. It's not going to fucking work unless you turn this guy heel. Which they've already clearly, clearly said. Not outright, but it's very obvious they won't do that. If they were going to turn him heel, they would have turned him heel three years ago. They would not be waiting this long to the point where people are at the 
have reached the point where it's like, you can't salvage this guy as a babyface. There's nothing you can do to get him cheered. They have just damaged him. Just beyond belief. He has damaged goods by this point. So why force something that won't work? That's the WWE motto. Force something that won't work. It's like booking a, it's like fucking putting a, a, a square block into a circle hole, into a round hole, and wondering why it's not working. Because no matter what you do, it's not going to go in. It's not going to fit. It's not going to work. So give the fuck up or turn the guy heel. Again, nothing new here in that front, but it's like, it just bothers me. And I, I know I'm not the only one. That they're wasting so much time and effort on Roman Reigns. And that's not to say that he can't be the guy. But they're doing something that just not that just won't. That that won't. Something that won't be with Roman Reigns as a babyface. He can be that guy. He could have been that guy. He could be that guy right fucking now if you turn him heel two or three years ago. And then went, went back to him being a babyface down the road. And they have so much other talent on the show they're just completely neglecting right now in favor of Roman Reigns. It's not Roman's fault. It's how they book him. But it's like the more time they waste on a guy like Roman Reigns, the more time is wasted um, with people like Rollins and Strowman who are just super uber popular, but being relegated to mid-card status because they're not who WWE sees as the guy when they clearly could be the guy. Moving right along, speaking of Seth Rollins, yet another Intercontinental Championship Open Challenge on Monday night, facing this time Kevin Owens. Um, a very good match per usual. These two always work well together. Another enjoyable encounter from them. Um, I thought it was a real good match. Of course, Rollins winning in a clean fashion to retain his title. Um, I know a lot of people were hoping for, like, Pete Dunne, which would have been great. I thought it was a little weird. I know they wanted to advertise stuff in advance, but I, I like the open challenge gimmick better. I like it when it's done you know, on occasion and not all the time. Um, by this point, they're kind of just beating a dead horse, but at least it works for Seth Rollins. The guy is the best on the roster right now, if not in the entire company. So at least they're making the most of the opportunities he's been given by doing the open challenge gimmick, having good matches, good to great matches every single week. So I'm fine with that. Um, but still, I'm, I'm hoping Rollins settles into a real rivalry at some point and is not doing this every week um, over the next month. But anyway, um, I thought it was a good match. Owens wins, or Owen loses clean, excuse me. Rollins still your intercontinental champion. Really, anyone else who steps up to Rollins is going to be cool. There's really not one person I want to see answer the open challenge. Um, I mean, he got a good match in a Mojo Raleigh. Easily Mojo's best WWE match of all time. Best singles match he's ever had, if not best match, period. So, if Rollins can get a good match out of even Mojo Raleigh, I'm excited for anyone that answers the open challenge. I would hope a guy like Mike Kanellis gets an opportunity at some point to showcase his skills and have a real showing and have it like, oh, wow, like a real breakout performance. Um, I'm not expecting it that to happen, but it would be cool if it did. But nonetheless, Rollins continues to fire, continues to fire on all cylinders right now. Money in the Bank qualifying match here. Triple threat action between Bobby Roode, No Way Jose, and Baron Corbin. Good, but forgettable match. It really just kind of was what it was. All three of these guys are just spinning their wheels at the moment. No Way Jose has a fine thing going on the undercard, um, and that's fine. But uh, he's not a real contender at all. Baron Corbin, been there, done that. The guy qualified last year. He won last year. They squandered that opportunity. Baron Corbin's a guy I could still see being something at some point. For right now, though, he just is dead in the water. He's got nothing going on. No one gives a shit about him. Um, so just kind of move on from that little experiment. But Bobby Roode, that was the right choice to go over here. Beating Noah Jose to qualify for the men's Money in the Bank ladder match. I don't think Bobby Roode's going to win, but I continue to hope that Roode will be turned heel sooner rather than later because as a babyface, he's just beyond miscast, and they are wasting more time with this guy that could be spent with him as a heel, killing it like he was in the next day. The B team, consisting of Curtis Axel and Bo Dallas, beat Brazongo, who just a month ago beat The Bar, so I don't know what the fuck is going on there. Um, what a waste that was. The Brazongo, not to say they could have been like tag team champions or anything like that, but they could have been something more than what they were had WWE actually put effort into making them a legit team and capitalizing off their victory over the former Raw Tag Team Champions of the Bar and Raw a, a month ago. And it was a clean win, too, for Brazongo. But it went nowhere. WWE forgot about it, and it was rendered irrelevant uh, quite quickly. But the B team, um, after settling on that tag team name, once it was determined by Angle that you can't be the A team because that's already a name of a movie and a TV show remake, so you can't really do that. They settled on the B team, which fits them nicely. So, Axel and Dallas winning their first match as a tag team on Raw, 
without The Miz being involved. Um, so a decent win for them. They did set their sights on the Raw Tag Team title. So I guess Woken, Matt Hardy, and Bray Wyatt versus the B Team is the next program for the Twin Titles, which is fine. Um, it's not the most enthralling feud. Um, I did say this in my Raw review on Monday for Next Era that I'm not really excited for a match between the two teams, but if they did something along the lines of like a final deletion-like match, an ultimate deletion-esque match, it could be entertaining. Because Dallas and Axel are a fun little act. They're lovable losers. So we'll see We'll see how they fare, but I, I do think something along the lines of, you know, they had a match last week. It was a match. Who gives a shit, you know? But if you go outside the box for a second and book something different than your typical standard tag team match, which we see all the time... It could be something interesting. So I would hope that they do something along those lines and don't just book a standard tag team match between the B team and Hardy and and Wyatt because I don't think that's really all that exciting. If they book that for Money in the Bank, it's going to be kickoff show material. So, But if it's like an ultimate deletion-esque matchup, it has potential. Women's tag team action, six tag team action here, six woman tag team match. Natalia, Sasha Banks, and Ember Moon teaming up to take on the Riot Squad and subsequently winning. Was what it was, a fine match. to going to tell you a uh, momentum boost here. Um, it, it was fine. It was good. It was good. I, I would assume Natalia is going to face... I mean, they've had so far two triple threats for the women's uh, Money in the Bank ladder match on Raw with the women. So it's been... And I'll get to the other one later on. But Alexa Bliss won one, and then Ember Moon won one last week. So if we have another triple threat next week, I would assume it's going to be Natalia versus... Sarah Logan and Liv Morgan, who have yet to also get their opportunity to qualify for the women's Money in the Bank ladder match. So maybe that's what this match was supposed to set up, because Natalia did get the winning fall here for her team. And in turn, Sasha Banks and Ember Moon also merged victorious. So a fun match. Felt like filler, but it was fun for what it was. Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt also teaming up to take on the Revival on a rematch from about a month ago on Raw. It was a decent match, and it was a good win for Hardy and Wyatt but it continues to illustrate the issue they have right now with the Revival. And the team itself is great. Scott Dawson and Dash Wilder are an awesome tag team, but it just further points out how badly they're being utilized right now. They're a tag team that's just just kind of fucking there. For a tag team that was such a hot tandem, a hot act in NXT, former two-time NXT tag team champions, multiple match of the year candidates with DIY, American Alpha, the Authors of Pain, and all these other tag teams coming to the main roster. And I know injuries kind of halted their, halted their momentum significantly because one got hurt, they came back, they were on a roll again, beat the Hardy Boys, beat the club, and then the other one got hurt. So I know their 2017 wasn't exactly stellar, largely due to injuries, but they're back, they're healthy, they're doing fucking jack squat with these guys. And it's such a waste of their abilities because they can, they can be something special for the Raw Tag Team division if WWE actually opted to do something with them and not waste them into oblivion. Having them get beat by Hardy and Wyatt in five minutes does nothing for them. And they feel like just another tag team right now, and it's a shame, because they're fucking good. So, it, it, it's really sad why... It, it, it is real... And we talked about it here on the show before, a couple of weeks ago. Stop wasting the fucking revival. Um, we talked about it with Clark here in WrestleRant Radio about two, three weeks ago. And it continues to be the point that these guys are just there, just doing nothing. And they deserve so much better. But it is what it is. Um, the match was fine. Another decent win for the Raw Tag Team Champions. Sami Zayn came out next. Now, this was an interesting segment. So Sami Zayn comes out, and he says, I've got something to expose about Bobby Lashley. And he brings up the interview segment from last week, showed a clip of it. The crowd chanted, boring. Woof. The crowd's already souring on Bobby. He's only been back for a, a month as a babyface. I mean, again, he's a guy that should be a, ba- that, that should be a heel. That goes without saying. Bobby Lashley, and I've talked about this before, the guy was killing it in TNA. Now, there's a lot of people out there who are like, oh, this guy was the shits in WWE before, he's the shits in, he's the shits in WWE now. I get that. But with Bobby, the four or three years that he was in TNA, he was doing a hell of a job. As their world champion, dominating everybody, the guy was really, really, really good. He really found his niche as a heel in TNA. And maybe WWE just saw the buzz around him, but not really understood, without really understanding fully why there was buzz around him in TNA. Maybe they just realized, oh, he was a a hot act in TNA, let's bring him on over. Not knowing what made him work in TNA was his heel stuff. As a babyface, he was fine, but he really started to find his footing as a heel in TNA. So why they didn't bring him back in that role shocks me. I I have no idea why. It's beyond me. 
Uh, but there's still time to salvage him before he's damaged good. So I would hope that there's something coming up down the pike in the not-so-distant future with Bobby and them turning him. Because whatever the fuck this thing is with Sammy bringing his sisters to Raw next week has terrible, stupid sports entertainment garbage written all over it. So I really hope there's an endgame here. I'm not hopeful. But Bobby's a guy that can be something on the Raw brand if they actually utilize them properly and wasn't as miscast as he is currently. I thought the interview thing last week, like I talked about on last week's show, was fine. Maybe exactly, not exactly stellar and kind of felt more awkward than anything else. But at least it was a step in the right direction and giving this guy some sort of character motivation. Because right now, he's just another guy in the roster. He got this huge reaction when he came back a month ago, the night after WrestleMania, and felt like a star. But fast forward a month, literally no more than a month later, does he already feel like just another fucking warm body in the roster? When he could really be something for this brand if they utilized him properly and did not miscast him as a babyface. So, again, the whole Sami Zayn bringing his sisters to Raw thing next week to expose Bobby Lashley sounds like hot garbage. But I'm hoping, I'm hoping there's some sort of endgame here. And I'm silly for even thinking that with this company because a lot of the times they don't really know what they're doing when it comes to stuff like this. But I am hoping there is some sort of endgame here with Bobby going heel before long. Because that's really the only saving grace of this entire angle. Because if not... This is going to backfire very badly. Uh, we had triple threat women's action also in the show to qualify for the women's Money in the Bank ladder match coming up next month. We had Alexa Bliss taking on Bailey and Mickey James, and what was a glorified handicap match for the first, you know, for the first half of it, um, but it was fine. So Alexa Bliss and Mickey James at one point break down. They tease tension. So I'm glad it wasn't a glorified handicap match for the entire match. It did turn into a true triple threat at one point. Um, but in the end, Alexa Bliss did pin Bailey to score the victory. She has punched her ticket to Money in the Bank next month. I don't think she'll win the ladder match. I don't want her to win the ladder match. I'm a Bliss fan, but she's had her time in the title picture for freaking two years now. And she's great, but it's time to move on. But I think she was the right choice to advance here. Um, like I said earlier, I do think Bailey and Banks, considering neither were successful in qualifying for the ladder match, I would assume they're being positioned for some sort of a handicap or a tag team match on like the Money in the Bank kickoff show with the Riot Squad. That would seem to be the story they're setting up here because Ruby also did fail to qualify for the ladder match. So I could see them doing Banks and Bailey reuniting or maybe Tease reuniting before one of them goes heel, which you would hope would be the end game, but I'm not exactly optimistic because they've been teasing it for fucking months now. Um, but I would assume that's the direction they're going with Bailey, Banks, and the Riot Squad. Also on the show, we had Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre teaming up to take on Finn Balor and Braun Strowman, who obviously have no real history or any real reason to tag team with each other, other than the fact they're both going to be competing in the men's Money to Make Ladder match next month. Um, but it was an entertaining match, honestly one of the better matches in the entire show. I thought Balor and Braun worked well together. It was a good, well-wrestled match. The finisher that was what really made this match nice with Ziggler pinning Balor for the victory. Now, Ziggler's been damaged goods for years now. But if they're going to push him as a credible heel act on Raw, they might as well give him a few key victories. And I like Drew. I think Drew is the real star of that tag team. And any interaction between him and Braun in this match got me excited for a future face-off between the two down the road. A one-on-one -on -one match between Braun and McIntyre could be a real money feud for this company if they, you know, if they hold off on Drew becoming a breakout star. And I, I mean, w with Drew right now, he's in a weird spot. Because the thing with Ziggler can only go so far... But it does have potential if they actually book it properly. I don't know if they'll win the Raw Tag Team titles. Honestly, I don't really care. But I think with Drew, if they have him break apart from Ziggler at a point where... Before it gets to a point where people get sick of seeing these two together, um, then I think he really does have breakout potential written all over him. And a Drew-Braun match can be big if booked the right way. And Braun needs credible opponents right now. There's no real credible heels on Raw. Drew can be that guy. Jinder does fucking nothing for me. Um, uh, Kevin Owens is great. He has lost way more matches than he's than he's won recently, but he's at a point where I th th he can be that top heel, but they need to rehab him considerably. Sami Zayn is also really really good, but the whole Bobby Lashley thing right now nah, doesn't really doesn't really get me too optimistic for his immediate future on Raw. So who does that leave? Baron Corbin? Who gives a shit? You know, like they need real credible heels right now. And I think Drew can fit that mold if they uh, if they don't give up on him too soon. So anyway, this was a good match, is the point I'm trying to make here. I enjoyed this match. 
Then we got to the main event, the uh, last Money in the Bank qualifying match for the men on the Raw side. It was another triple threat match. So like I said earlier, Jinder was supposed to compete in this match with Elias and Bobby Lashley, which had disaster and all over it. But um, Jinder got attacked again backstage by Roman, rendering him unable to compete in this contest, being replaced by Kevin Owens. So Kevin Owens getting another shot to qualify for the match, this time successful after Sami Zayn interfered, took out Bobby Lashley, Kevin Owens pinned Elias with a bullfrog splash off the top rope. He is headed to Chicago to compete in the men's Money in the Bank ladder match, which is fine. I think Owens being in the ladder match is great. Um, I don't think he'll win, but I think, honestly, looking at the current crop of people competing in the men's match, I'm really honestly happy with anyone who wins that thing. They have a great crop of guys in that match between Bobby Roode, Kevin Owens, Braun Strowman, Finn Balor, The Miz, Rusev, and a member of The New Day. At this point, I'm content with almost anyone winning that match. Maybe except for, like, a fucking member of the New Day. Um, but it could happen. I could see Biggie winning. I could see Xavier Woods winning. You never know. But, uh, you know, it could happen. But still, I thought overall this was a solid show. Not the most exciting three hours. Things happened. But, like I said earlier, whenever they tape shows from overseas in the United Kingdom, it always feels like they're just phoning it in. And the superstars I get because, again... You know, they've been traveling for fucking month in, you know, week in, week out for well over a month now, from continent to continent to continent. But it comes to a point now where, with the company, it just feels like they have to kind of get into a mode where they have to get people excited for these pay-per-views. Because Backlash was fucking trash. The pay-per-view sucked. Money in the Bank has potential. On paper, there's a lot of good matches they could book here to get people genuinely excited for the show. So it's really all a matter of... Do they want to put in the effort? I'm not really sure, but it didn't really feel like they it didn't really felt like they put in the effort this past Monday with the Raw um, show emanating from London. But again, there is the potential there for a really strong pay-per-view if they decide to go that route. But anyway, that was Raw on Monday. Quickly moving into SmackDown from Tuesday, also emanating, I believe, from London, the same arena, the O2. Um, an even better show. Similar to Raw in that it set up a lot of stuff for Money in the Bank. Um, which is good, a successful show. I like shows that have you know meaningful matches and segments. It was a lot like Raw, where it felt like, eh, you can kind of tell that it was taped. It felt that it didn't really have that energy. The crowd was great, though, and I will give them that. And also, given the fact that with these guys on the blue brand, they have an even stronger roster overall, and they also benefit from having that two-hour time window. They're not you know, being relegated with the three hours, and it's like, oh shit, you gotta get through three hours of Raw. SmackDown, I feel like, is in a better place right now, with their roster specifically, and having credible heels for the most part, and also just having, you know, less of a chance of burnout with three hours of TV. Um, but still, I thought I, I really, really enjoyed SmackDown from Tuesday, is what I'm trying to say, even more so than Raw on Monday. So we kicked out the show with Renee Young interviewing Daniel Bryan regarding his loss to Rusev last week. Um, he was mega over, mega over in fucking London. Renee Young could not even speak. That's how crowd. That's how loud the crowd was for Brian on this show. It was unreal. And I know Brian is over, but it's like wow, like he's really, really, really over. And again, nothing new there on that front. But it's like, don't waste this guy, Daniel Bryan. The guy's been sitting on the sidelines, injured with a concussion for three fucking years. To bring him back to do nothing with him would be criminal. I would not put it past this company to do that. But um, still, especially if they want to keep him around, too. As of right now, I think Brian said on the Talk is Jericho podcast last week that he has not yet resigned with the WWE. And his contract expires, I believe, on September 1st, he said. So he could stick around or he could leave. And if they don't book him properly and he realizes, okay, what a waste of time to stick around here, I'm just going to go wrestle elsewhere, that's fine, too. So I would hope they don't waste him. But this was a solid segment. Big Cass came out. Not one of his better promos, but he was okay. Um, before being attacked by Daniel Bryan. Now, I mentioned earlier, Big Cass got some heat on him currently. So, I don't know how far this feud's going to go. Bryan already beat him decisively at Backlash, and he beat the shit out of him here. And I really do not care to see the feud continue, because the match at Backlash was mediocre at best. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. I think it's a good thing to keep Bryan occupied for right now. I would I would much rather see Bryan in the Money in the Bank ladder match. That's just me. But maybe we see a rematch between these two at the Money in the Bank pay-per-view next month. For what reason? I don't know, because Brian's gotten the better out of uh, uh, gotten the better of Cass at almost every turn in the last few weeks. So we'll see where it goes. But uh, I thought this was a good segment, though, and the crowd ate it up. And our next Money in the Bank qualifier here for the men's Money in the Bank ladder match, it was the New Day taking on Cesaro and Sheamus. So the winning team would be able to earn the opportunity for one man to advance to the men's ladder match at Money in the Bank. 
Um, this time, the New Day merged victorious, picking up the win and what a what a what was a good match from the two teams. They've always worked well together. They had a good solid string of matches over on Raw late in 2016. Um, this was another entertaining encounter from them. The crowd was into it. The New Day merged victorious. And now the question is, which member of New Day will compete in the men's Money in the Bank ladder match? Could it be Kofi, who has competed in a handful of ladder matches over the years? He was in the Money in the Bank ladder match in, let's see, at WrestleMania 25, WrestleMania 26, the SmackDown Money in the Bank ladder match from 2010, later on that year. I think he was in the Raw ladder match in 2011. Don't think he was in a ladder match in 2013 or 2012. Maybe 20... I don't think he was in one in 2013. He definitely was in the Money to Make Ladder match in 2014 in Boston. I think he was in the Money to Make Ladder match in 2015 as well. Um, 2016? What was in 2016? Was that a SmackDown pay-per-view? What was... 20? No, he was not in the one in 2016. That was... Uh, he was not involved in that one. He was on the show, but he was not in the one in 2016. I don't think he was in it last year either because they were competing for the tag titles in that show. So, yeah, Kofi's been in a handful. He's been in a few over the years. He always excels. A lot like the Rumble, he is like the star of that match. He's like the new Shelton Benjamin. And with Shelton, it's kind of a shame to be honest with you because Shelton's back in the company finally. And it would be cool to see him in another Money to Make Ladder match. Obviously not the case because they've already, you know, those who haven't already, like there's one spot remaining and it's going to be held next week. With um, Big Cass and Samoa Joe facing each other. So unfortunately, Benjamin did not get his opportunity to qualify, which is kind of a shame, but oh well. So with the New Day, who's it going to be? Kofi, Xavier Woods, or Big E? Now there's been a lot of talk recently with Big E and the potential of a future singles push with him that the company sees a lot in him. And rightfully so, Big E is very good. He's not the best wrestler of the three. He's not bad, though. But we've been saying this for years, though. Big E had star written all over him when he first showed up on the roster back in 2012. And he was a bodyguard for a while for Dolph Ziggler and AJ Lee. And then he kind of broke out on his own as a babyface in late 2013. And he had momentum. But the company then went on to do nothing with him. He was Intercontinental Champion for, for a minute. For like, not like a, I'm not, like a hot minute, like for a while. It's like the new slang term or some shit like that, whatever. But he was champion for like, you know, five or six months. And then he dropped the belt. And then he did nothing before the New Day formed. Um, but Big E is really, really good. You know, now that he's been given a chance to kind of showcase his personality and how funny he is and all this other stuff. So, Biggie as Mr. Money in the Bank would not be the worst thing. Maybe this does lead to the eventual split of the New Day with one of them going heel or whatnot. Um, but nonetheless, I, I, I'm not down on the idea of Biggie being Mr. Money in the Bank just because he does have future star written all over him. But as does Woods, I don't want Woods to be counted out here. Because Xavier Woods is also really, 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 really good. He's probably the best wrestler of all three. Kofi's already had a shot at superstardom. The guy can be a solid mid-card hand. I would like to see Kofi as a heel at some point on his own. Um, but Xavier Woods can go in the ring. And that's been evident the last couple of weeks in the matches with Sheamus and Cesaro one-on-one. And now this week, picking up the, pin, the, the winning fall for his team against Sheamus and Cesaro. So obviously at some point, Xavier Woods has some singles potential on his own. I don't know if it's going to be winning money in the bank. I don't know if I exactly see Xavier Woods as a breakout single star in the world championship picture. But he could be a solid hand, maybe not at the cruiserweight level. I know people were saying that about a year ago, maybe on 205 Live. I think Woods is better than that. I think Woods is better than the 205 Live cruiserweight championship contention level. I think he could definitely go as a United States champion, an intercontinental champion. Again, I don't know if it comes in the form of a Money in the Bank win next month, per se. Um, But I don't want him to be counted out, though, because Kofi's been established. Big E's a future star, maybe a future world champion if they play their cards right but I don't want Woods to be lost in the shuffle. The same way that he was when he first got called up like five years ago. He was like paired off with, with R-Truth, doing the whole fucking shuck and jive shit and all this, all the whatever, all the bullshit. And he really was kind of flying under the radar for a good solid year or two. So I'm glad he's being given an opportunity to shine in recent weeks. And maybe he does lead to a future push on his own without the New Day at some point in the not-so-distant future. So anyway, we also had the debut of Andrade Sin Alamas in this show, the SmackDown Live debut of the former NXT champion taking on some job guy, Jake Constantino, some some jabroni, um, beating him in the matter of a minute and what was a good showing for the former NXT champ. Uh, cutting a promo afterwards, not really him, but more so his manager, Zelina Vega, putting the entire SmackDown Live roster on notice. It would have been great to see Almas in the latter match of Money in the Bank. Obviously not the case now, um, but he could still you know, get his SmackDown stint off to a solid start if they book him the right way. You know, if they put him up against Jeff Hardy, which 
I had read he might have been hurt last night or on Tuesday night in a dark match with The Miz. So I hope that's not the case. But um, we could see some sort of scenario where Andrade goes after the U.S. Championship from the get-go. And I love Jeff Hardy's U.S. Champion, but if he drops the belt to Andrade, I would not be angry. Because I think Andrade could be a, a solid U.S. Champion if booked the right way and not, you know, not booked the same way like Del Rio where he held the belt and did nothing with it for fucking months on end. Um, but the guy's great. If you did not watch his work in NXT, or at least the last year of his career in NXT, you're really missing out. Because the guy's always been a great wrestler dating back to his days as La Sombra in uh, New Japan and other promotions and in Mexico. But he really came into his own as a character in WWE when he got paired off with Selena Vega about a year ago. Going on the losing streak and then turning his career around and then going heel. Going oh, going heel came first. But then he paired up with Vega and then he embarked on NXT Championship status, which he would win back in November, having the great matches with Johnny Gargano and Drew McIntyre and then Aleister Black. So the guy is a star. He's an absolute star. He comes across like a man's man, like an absolute star that you can build a brand around. Maybe not the guy, but a top guy. So I'm hoping that he does not get cast off aside as just another NXT act that goes nowhere, like a la Tyler Breeze. That would be the worst thing they can do to this guy because he can be someone if they see his potential. That's really what it comes down to. Anyone can be a fucking star. Jander Mahal, of all people, is a former WWE champion. It's really a matter of who the company can get behind. But to me, I am hopeful that the company does see something Andrade just simply based off the fact that he was in the Rumble match as the NXT champion back in January and lasted well over half an hour. He wasn't in the match for, like, Hurricane Helms time where he was in the match for, like, fucking 20 seconds. Like, he had a real strong showing in that match. So I do see him going places on SmackDown. I do, I do think the blue brand is the right fit for him. Uh, I do think he can have a bright feature on SmackDown, again, if they push him accordingly. Um, Paige also showed up on the show interrupting Carmella's Melibration, announcing her opponent for Money in the Bank and being Asuka. So I like Asuka a lot. Asuka and Carmella is not a bad feud. I mean, Charlotte kind of failed to get a good match out of, um, out of Carmella at the Backlash pay-per-view. That match sucked. It was easily the worst match in the entire show. But, I'm, I'm, you know, maybe Asuka can get a, get a better match out of her. I'm not really sure what they're going to be going for here. But the bottom line with Asuka as the number one contender is that, again, I like Asuka, but where did this come from? She's not. She's barely been on the show since she got trapped, really since WrestleMania. Because after WrestleMania, she was not on Raw at all. Then she got traded to SmackDown. She's had a few appearances, won a few matches, lost a match, I think, a tag team match. It wasn't pinned, but she lost the match which is pretty rare for Asuka. She, she's really not as special as she was even a month or two ago, which kind of worries me. And I'm glad she's getting a title opportunity, but it's like, you have a month until the fucking pay-per-view. You can't put her in a number one contenders match against, like, Lana or the Iconic Duo or something. You know what I mean? Just something to explain why she's getting a title shot. Makes no sense. And I also think, and I'm gonna... I, I put up an article on Wednesday about Carmella and you know, her as SmackDown Women's Champion and all this other stuff about how she really has not delivered in the ring so far. She's only been champion for a month. But my concern is that the officials saw that backlash match, realized that she's no good in the ring, and are going to pull the plug in her reign before it even really starts. And if it's Asuka that she drops the championship to, I'm kind of okay with it, better than Charlotte. Um, but I could see a scenario where Asuka wins the championship either at Money in the Bank or Battleground or whatever the fuck the July pay-per-view is, I think Extreme Rules. Um, I think it's Extreme Rolls in July. And then Charlotte and Asuka have a rematch at SummerSlam. I could see a scenario where that happens. But yeah, it just kind of bothered me that it's like, Asuka gets a title shot for what? And I like Asuka, but it's like, who the gives it? You know, why? Not that not that no one cares, because people like Asuka, and I got a big reaction on Tuesday, but came completely out of left field, just because they had to have a title defense on Money in the Bank. So it's like, okay, this woman gets a title shot for no real reason at all. The same way that Ronda Rouse is getting a title shot. At least they almost had an explanation for that. With Ronda saying, or with Nia saying, I want to challenge you because you're the best that we have, even though that's not really the case yet. Um, maybe just because Ronda wants to, or Nia wants to be relevant. I'm not really sure. But with this match, it's just like Paige said, okay, you're going to face Asuka. But fucking why? Why? She did nothing to deserve it in storyline. So that kind of pissed me off, but whatever. Uh, Becky Lynch, speaking of the women... Beat Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville in a triple threat on Tuesday to earn entry into the women's Money in the Bank ladder match. The right call. Because Becky Lynch has been floundering for weeks, if not months. If not the last year. Okay, so Becky really needed this win. I don't think she will win the ladder match. But I was thinking last night, you know, they put up a fallout video with Becky talking about her victory on SmackDown. And I'm thinking, 
Would it really be the worst idea to have Becky win? Like, so far confirmed, we have Becky, Charlotte, Ember, and Alexa Bliss. Alexa Bliss should absolutely not win that match. You have to have star power involved, but Alexa Bliss should not win that match. Charlotte should not win that match. I talked about it here on the show last week where I guess it kind of makes sense to have Charlotte beat Carmella for the belt by way of cashing in the briefcase, the same way that Charlotte lost the belt initially to, to Carmella two days after WrestleMania. I get that. We've seen Charlotte in the title picture so much over the last six, seven months. Give it a break for a little while. Okay, just give it just give it a little bit of a rest. That's what I got to say in regards to that. Um, so Charlotte and Alexa are no-goes for me. Ember, I wouldn't be mad if she won. I'd be happy if she won. I think it's too soon. Becky, it's like this match is tailor-made for Becky Lynch. Just because she has been overlooked for far too long, this could be your opportunity to get back at the forefront of the women's championship picture. And you know what? Maybe Charlotte wins the belt at some point between now and WrestleMania. You know she's going to be champion, if not the challenger at WrestleMania 35. We already know that. But she'll, So she'll obviously have some sort of championship reign between now and then. I would assume. But maybe Charlotte is champion again at some point in the near future, and then Becky cashes in on her. And that leads to a Becky heel turn. Now, I would much rather have Charlotte as the heel because she works better as a heel than as a babyface. But a heel turn for Becky might not be the worst thing. We saw her as a heel in NXT. She was a good heel there. She's a better babyface because it's easier to rally behind her. But she's been losing a lot, a lot over the last year. So it would make storyline sense for her to say, you know, fuck this, I'm going heel. Screw the friendship thing. I want my belt back. Would be an intriguing feud with Becky being the heel and Charlotte being the babyface. So I would not count that out. Becky's my current pick to win the briefcase, just because I think she deserves it, and I think it could lead to the most intriguing storyline possibilities coming out of the pay-per-view. And finally on this show, we had a rematch from WrestleMania, from the Greatest Royal Rumble, from Backlash. People are getting sick of this feud, but at least the matches are good. This might have been their best match yet, according to what I saw some people say on social media and online. Shinsuke Nakamura and AJ Styles. Yes, they faced off on SmackDown to get this. Choose the stipulation for their Money in the Bank match. So they're still having a match at Money in the Bank, but they had a match before their match at Money in the Bank. Before They had a fourth match before their fifth match to determine, to determine the stipulation for that fifth match. Confused yet? The match was great. Again, I really enjoyed the match, but it's like there's not any more creative ways to come up with a way for one of these guys to choose the stipulation than fucking doing another match. It was beyond stupid. Beyond stupid. And Nakamura winning here kind of made me a little fearful that he's not going to win a Money in the Bank and that they're going to end this feud with AJ winning. Otherwise, I feel like Nakamura would have won by now. And I love the idea of Samoa Joe going after the belt, but it's like I do think Nakamura, after all the great work he's done as a heel, does deserve a title run. Like, from this feud with AJ. Not in six months, but when he's hot right now. When he's on a roll. Why pass up the opportunity when it's right there in front of you? Why not strike while the iron is hot? But... This is WWE, and they don't often do that, so I can't say I'm surprised. But that being said, with Nakamura and AJ, good match. Nakamura wins. He did not announce the stipulation on this show. I assume they're holding off for that until next week, which is wise, because why blow it on this show? Um, but next week, speaking of which, we will have two more Money in the Bank ladder match qualifiers. Lana versus Billy Kay. God help us all. That sounds like a train wreck on paper. Hopefully Billy Kay wins. I'm not the biggest Billy Kay fan. I would rather have... Peyton Royce in the latter match than Billy Kay, but anything is better than Lana. Lana is fucking terrible. She was exactly the reason why a year ago I said I did not really want a women's ladder match because I feel like it would be a train wreck with some of the women they have on the roster, like Tamina, Lana, Dana Brooke. Oh, God, that sounds terrible. So I'm hoping Billy Kay wins. Um, I'm not exactly optimistic because the Peyton, uh, Peyton Royce and Billy Kay, the Iconics, have not been the best book duo lately, so we'll see. And they're doing something with Lana right now where they're saying like, oh, me and Rusev are going to become the first Mr. and Mrs. Money in the Bank. I like Rusev Mr. Money in the Bank as Mr. Money in the Bank. Not so much Lana with the briefcase, so we'll see. So we have that, and as I mentioned earlier, Big Cass and Samoa Joe to determine the final spot in the men's Money in the Bank ladder match. So real quickly on 205 Live on Tuesday, also emanating from the UK, of course, taking place after SmackDown. They took some stars from the UK division, including some stars that I was not familiar with. But it was a fun show with two really, really good matches. Tyler Bate beating TJP, Kalisto, and Kenny Williams in a fatal four-way action. Then in the main event, Cedric Alexander teaming with Mustafa Ali and Flash Morgan Webster against Drew Gulak, Joseph Connors, and Dreams Jake. Uh, Dreams Drake, excuse me. I think Drake might have been on some other... He might have been on another episode 
of 205 Live when they went when they last went to the UK about a year ago, six months ago, whatever. So I think I've seen Dream. I think I've seen James Drake before. That's a fucking tongue twister. James Drake before. Pretty sure I've seen him before, either on 205 Live or in the uh, UK Tourney. I'm not exactly sure. I have seen Connors before in the UK Tourney. He's good. Kind of bores me to be honest with you. Really does nothing for me. But the guy's good. Uh, Kenny Williams was good in the opener, and Flash Morgan Webster also showed some potential as well. So, fun show. Worth going out of your way to see. Both matches are great. Nothing in the way of storyline progression, but it was a fun show overall. Next week, Hideo Itami takes on Akira Tozawa one-on-one. In two weeks, Cedric Alexander will defend the Cruiserweight Championship finally against Buddy Murphy. So that is 205 Live coming up in the next few weeks. So, uh, much to my surprise, we did get through an hour of the show here today. I did not think I would surpass an hour, because there really was not a lot going on, but I did find a way to kind of uh, stretch it out and talk quite a bit in depth about Raw and SmackDown from this past week, and everything else going on with All In and whatnot. So, anyway, guys, thank you for checking out the show. As always, be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes. Simply search up WrestleRant Radio on Apple Podcast. Subscribe to the show, rate the show, review the show, and be sure to not only check out every new episode on Thursdays, but all the archived episodes as well, dating back to October of 2013 when the show first started. So you get not to not, not only hear all of my episodes, I'm on every episode, of course, but all the episodes with special great guests such as John, we've had Jason on before, we've had Clark in recent weeks, Jamie Lee Mack has been on a handful of episodes, so check that out on the WrestleRant Radio archives right now only on iTunes. And you can also check out the show as well, if iTunes is not your thing, also on nextairwrestling.net, uh, where you can also check out full written reviews of Raw, SmackDown, Main Event, NXT, Ring of Honor, Impact, and even Lucha Underground when it returns in about a month, which I cannot wait for. So anyway, guys, we are on the road to Money in the Bank and TakeOver Chicago, both of which I will be in attendance for next month. Cannot wait for it. Enjoy the rest of your week. I'm Graham G.S. Matthews, and I'll catch your ass down the road. Oh,